look at some of these companies that have these same values and it's working for them. People are happier, they're healthier, and it does create a triple bottom line effect on everyone else. There isn't a reason to not use a sustainable company, not use a company that's committed to the future. B3 People, the podcast that brings you conversations with leaders of the purpose economy. Business owners, managers, and sustainability experts sharing their stories and experiences with the triple bottom line. People, planet, and profit. Now here's your host, Executive Director of P3 Utah, Steve Klaas. Today on P3 People, I am pleased to welcome to the studio John Pilmer of Pilmer PR. John, welcome to P3 People. Thanks for having me today. So, John, tell us about the services that you offer and and give us an example of some of the customers and campaigns that you are most proud of. Pilmer PR was born 14 years ago in Utah and has extended its reach globally as a, a, a small boutique PR and marketing firm. Press relations has been our bread and butter, and digital marketing and reputation management has been added to keep up with the changing times. We have had great success launching some 50 companies, emerging companies, and helping them to get more traction in the marketplace. Four of those have reached the uh, Inc. 500 list of fastest-growing companies in America. We've had a lot of different clients that we're really excited about, but some of those of note would be that um, U.S. Synthetic, Brent-bound Toyota, Mosey.com, Spotter RF, but a number of emerging companies that have appreciated our ability to help them get the word out there and take them from zero to hero. That's wonderful. Now, did you start out in in doing press relations? This seems to be a a more specialized field in my experience. Were you working in marketing? Did you want to be a, a business mogul yourself? Well, I sort of came into PR through the back door. I got an uh, undergraduate in business management and marketing from Brigham Young University, went on to get an MBA from the University of Utah, and started work in associated fields in sales and marketing and in a couple of different industries. However, there was one common theme among all these early career experiments, and that was I did certain tasks really well, and they rose to the top, and after a while, I figured out that was PR. So uh, when Novell recruited me out of uh, Texas, where I was living at the time, uh, it was uh, a natural fit for me, and we were able to do some pretty fantastic things there at a world-class level that I've been able to extend in my own business with my emerging clients. Uh, One particular campaign of note was being the team lead on the 2001, uh, or excuse me, 2000 uh, Brain Share Show, which was the Novell User Partner Conference, which at that year attracted 7,000 people to Utah from every continent on the world. And I was leading the team of 25 PR professionals. We brought in some 100 U.S.-based editors, reporters, and some 50 or so from internationally, and um, we were able to put on 450 press interviews in three days and garnered uh, 300 stories in the next 30 days after that particular show. 
And that was uh, a peak experience for me at a world-class level, which we've been able to uh, uh, replicate on a smaller budget for a lot of different companies over the years. So that gives you a feel for how I got through into the back door and then started Pilmer PR in 2003. So your firm, at least in, in my experience, you know, has a distinct sustainability-oriented mindset. You can even see it in the, the logo that you're using these days. Uh, where did this um, concern for the well-being of people on the planet come from, and how do you see the development of sustainability-focused uh, PR and related fields kind of nationally, and, and, and where are we at in Utah? Well, I, I could say that when we started Pilmer PR, uh, we really started with the profit motive, but coming from the technology business, I had some techno-savvy, if you will, I knew about a lot of online tools that I was able to uh, organize my company initially out of a home office and then uh, find that I could do business with companies that didn't care where my office was. So we didn't, I didn't have to make my team drive to an office to do their business and was able to include team members from a, a great distance. So I've had team members in, in Florida and in Seattle and in Los, Los Angeles, and uh, I've been able to do business with globally in Singapore, Ukraine, Australia, as well as a lot of companies in the United States, and do this without having to have the overhead of, of uh, office space and using online tools to connect. Well, a side benefit was that, oh, that's really sustainable. <laughs> it was, it was it's cool now to telework because it's the green thing to do, right? And it keeps the emissions down from all the cars that are out there driving on the roads in Utah. And it helps us to improve quality of life for the people that I work with, team members who can also uh, focus on family issues and not just on commuting to work. And uh, so it, it evolved into something that was perhaps driven by profit, but now has become more of a way of thinking and a way of life for us. And uh, hopefully a lot of other companies are, I, and I think they are, catching on to this kind of a trend. We're visiting today with John Pilmer of Pilmer PR. We're taking the first of two short breaks. Stay with us. You're listening to P3 People. Hello, this is Utah Representative Kevin Stratton, House Floor Sponsor of Utah's Benefit Corporation Statute and Lead Sponsor of our upcoming Benefit Limited Liability Company legislation. As a concerned business owner and public official, I value the contribution of business organizations to the public policy process. I am pleased with the voice for more positive business and the capacity for sharing best practices that is developing within the P3 Utah network. Government can and should only do so much, and we all need to collaborate to utilize our resources as effectively as possible. I encourage you to join me to step up our efforts to use the unique freedom of innovation self-reliance and flexibility in business to make a better world. 
We're back on P3 People visiting with John Pilmer of Pilmer PR. John, tell us a bit more about how, uh, what, what are the kind of the trends with sustainability focused PR uh, nationally, internationally that you're involved, that you see, that you're a part of, and where do you think uh, the, the Utah market fits into that? Well, globally, the whole concept of sustainability has caught on sooner outside the United States and inside the United States. Some years back, I uh, read in the Moscow Times that that there were 66% of European large companies, large European companies, had sustainability officers. Only 33% had those in the United States. That has radically changed. Uh, according to the Governance and Accountability uh, Institute, now there's some 80-plus percent of companies do uh, sustainability reporting. And many of the Fortune 100, though they're not required by law, are doing that sustainability reporting with their government filings. We're seeing a growing interest in corporate structure that outlines and enables companies to do something besides just make money. We can talk about that in a minute. But how's Utah doing? I think we're a little bit behind the curve. I think that uh, we need to spend more time on the concept of the environment that in Utah is so precious and so very much contributes to our quality of life. I think we need to make that more of a focus, not just a, an occasional mention in our leadership summits and the actual application of things to correct problems that we're having in Utah, like the uh, tremendous air quality issue that we're dealing with now. So speaking of uh, limited mentioning, there's this practice of selective mentioning of good things that uh, we narrowly refer to as greenwashing. and um, since that's uh, an art form in the communications uh, profession and you're a communications professional, I was hoping you could tell us where, you know, we seem to hear a lot more about companies trying to be green um, and maybe people are sort of irrationally exuberant or a little too selective in, in focusing on the good things that they do. Do you think this is a side effect of companies just legitimately uh, trying to, to be more sustainable? How, how do we know? When we listen to messaging, uh, when we should ask deeper questions about uh, what a company is presenting about itself. So I think that sustainability could be compared to a three-legged stool. If any of those legs on that stool, people, planet, profits, if any of those legs are shorter or longer than the others, then it's not a very comfortable sitting position. And in fact, my sense over the years that I've immerse myself into knowing and understanding what sustainable business really is, is that you have to give equal weight to those three things. There are some tremendous case studies of companies that made the mistake of talking before they were good. And as I've said, rule number one for Pilmer PR for our clients is to first be good and only then talk about it. British Petroleum is a classic case study where they had a tremendous investment in their green uh, marketing, and yet they created the largest oil spill ever with uh, under-maintained 
uh, wellheads in the Gulf of Mexico, and that's been replicated elsewhere. We've made mistakes to uh, protect the the uh, environment with unintended consequences in Africa when they outlawed DDT, and I'm not saying we should bring back DDT, but they outlawed DDT because it was killing the birds, but the DDT was killing the malaria-infested mosquitoes that then were able to kill a lot of people with that disease because they weren't being eradicated by DDT. So we have to be careful not to get too unbalanced. I think that companies are doing a better job at really being sustainable, absolutely. And there's some that are somewhat stumbling around with their messaging, like the advertisement I heard today for a credit union that said, we do X, Y, Z, and boy, that's putting people over profits. And I think I would like to put my money in an organization that equally is concerned about their financial welfare as as well as their, uh, the people and the customers. So we're doing better, but there's still a lot of what might be called greenwashing. And I will suggest that if there is greenwashing, there's also people washing and profit washing with uh, unintended consequences. Well, you'll have to coin a new term for sustainability washing, John, and I'm not sure what it is. So, But if you think of it in the next few minutes, I know our, our listeners would like to know. So clearly you're more deeply concerned uh, about a company's core orientation with corporate social responsibility rather than the traditional focus of kind of risk management in, in, in press relations, you know, pre- preventing liabilities and that sort of thing. You, you gave us your, your, your two rule or your two part rule. How do you generally go about counseling um, your CSR clients? Well, we've strived to get into a position where we deal only with clients that have a responsible corporate citizenship, that they have a sustainable product or service, and that they have that goodness in their core before we want to really do business with them. The challenge then is you have a couple of extremes. One is companies that are reticent to talk about it, They just want to do good. And two is those that want to talk about it before they're really doing much good. So they visit an elementary school and they think that's they're green. They think they're taking care of the people. They put a few dollars into this or that campaign, that charity, then they've they've done their part. They've uh, bought an electric car or a van to deliver their products. They think they've done their part. However... Uh, on the other end of the extreme is is the company that's really, really good, and then they're reluctant to talk about it. Now that uh, the the vast expectation in the marketplace is to to have a sustainability report, a social conscience, a corporate citizenship, then the market's really demanding that you return and report how you're doing, whether you're really comfortable patting yourself on the back or not. Just take the marketplace of the millennial consumer. The millennial consumer, according to several sources, but including Deloitte, uh, says that the 70% approximately of uh, millennials say that they would rather work at and or purchase products from a company that they consider to be sustainable. 
Now, fast forward a few years, and they're going to control the bulk of the spending dollars in this country. Some estimates say 30 to $40 trillion. Well, because the market demands it, they want to know, am I comparing apples with apples? I'm going to do business with a sustainable company. How are they going to know that unless you report it, unless you are accountable to your publics, unless you get the word out, uh, which also challenges other companies to come up to speed and improve their social conscience. So are there, are there some particular first steps that you would encourage companies that truly are doing a lot of good to take to to get their message message out there. In a very quiet way, a lot of companies have done something with their corporate website to include their sustainable initiatives. One of the best ones that I know of off the top of my head is US Synthetic. They've been doing great work both domestically here with the STEM program here with uh, learning and developing engineers and young people. At the same time, they've been reaching out and doing tens of thousands of microloans to Kenyan women to help them to do home-based business and have a sustainable life in Africa. So this is a good example of a company that's now putting things up on the web that they do, but they don't, they're not out there bragging about it all the time. And it's, it's not their primary PR focus, if you will. But it certainly makes sense to account to the public that if you want to know more about our sustainable practices, go here. So the web may be the best place to start if you haven't started organizing or, or uh, considering how you're making noise about uh, your sustainable practices. Well, great, John. Thanks for that. We're visiting today with John Pilmer of Pilmer PR, and he's telling us how to shine a subtle but bright enough light on the good work that all of you are, all of you are doing out there uh, listening to this program. You're listening to P3 People. We're taking one more short break. Please stay with us. Hi, I'm Connie Scott, studio manager and recording engineer at Audio and Recording in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're pleased to sponsor the work of P3 Utah and help lead the creation of a sustainable music production community. In our 2,000-square-foot facility, we provide highly customizable and state-of-the-art production for all types of music and audio creative work. Check us out at audioinrecording.com and hear the difference production with passion makes. We're back on P3 People, visiting today with John Pilmer of Pilmer PR. John, you personally have recently become a leading advocate for state registration of benefit LLCs, the most um, pervasive uh, form of new business registration, not just in Utah, but in the United States, LLCs, that is. Why do you think it's important for there to be an opportunity for companies with a triple bottom line to register as a special entity, a benefit LLC? Well, the Benefit Corporation came first, and that has been adopted by a large number of states throughout the United States. And there are definitely risk management and other benefits uh, to being a benefit corporation, not the least of which is your stockholders know from the get-go that you are focused on something just besides making money. And you have that in your corporate charter that you report those results which focus your attention 
on doing something good during the year so your report is positive at the end of the year. Um, so there's definite benefits for the benefit corporation. Now, in making that such a, uh, an opportunity for corporations to declare that they are a benefit corporation, uh, we create an un un unlevel playing field, perhaps unintentionally, with LLCs, which account for 80% of all the new businesses in Utah. And so if you're going to report or allow companies to report that they're this kind of sustainable business, which attracts a different set of customers, potentially a whole new generation of customers, then you probably are obligated to level that playing field. And so I think that the extension of the benefit uh, designation for LLCs is a positive way to accommodate that, if for no other reason. But I think that it also helps the companies look inward and to behave more responsibly if they take that designation. They also create a challenge for competitors to come up to speed and be more sustainable. So I think benefit LLCs uh, have a place in Utah, especially and nationally. Well, let me um, extend this a little bit and say, you know, earlier in our interview, you talked about Utah being a little bit behind in adopting um, sustainability posturing for its in its business community. But if Utah passes the benefit LLC uh, law in this next year, it will become only the fourth or fifth state in the country, and it becomes a leader in some way. Do you think this is the uh, – how do you sense our readiness to to be a leader in good business this way? Utah has a large number of differential advantages in the marketplace of the world already. We have an educated workforce. We have highly educated young people that are multilingual. We have a terrific quality of life here in many areas, low crime rates. We have the beautiful mountains and the snow and all the outdoors activities that uh, improve our quality of life. There are so many, and we have an excellent uh, business environment from a business regulation environment and low taxation of corporations, which is attracting large numbers of organizations to our state. So we already lead in many areas. Some of those areas, including the cleanliness of our air and uh, the pollution issues that we're having because of our rapid growth, uh, are putting some of those advantages at risk. I think that we need to be m taking more of a leadership role in those kind of issues to correct that those behaviors that are damaging the state. On the other side, I think it's fantastic to create anything that makes us first to or near the first of the line to show leadership to the world and to United States marketplaces. Um, so I think it can only do good. Uh, from a PR standpoint, from a messaging standpoint, it's always better to be first or right near the first of the pack when doing something like this rather than being a follower. Okay, let's just go a tiny bit deeper on this business of air quality. You know, people love their families. They love the health of their children and their elders. They like to get outside and recreate and enjoy the beauty of the mountains and the desert, like you've said. 
and yet we seem to have trouble doing enough um, collectively through our government policy and individually through our commuting policy and, and maybe government support uh, for employee behavior in terms of uh, producing this, you know, this unhealthy air. I know that you have a personal interest in this and, and, and you are involved in some community efforts. What, what are the things that you think we should be doing to accelerate our progress on, uh, on improving air quality? Well, clean air is everybody's business. It's not just business's problem. It's not just the government's problem. It's everybody's problem. And it is becoming more of a problem in Utah. The asthma rates, especially among children, are rising in Utah. And it's pretty easy to draw a correlation with uh, air quality. Uh, I'll tell you a little story that brings us home personally to me. I was sitting in the room with the Utah Valley Clean Air Task Force on which I serve, and I got a, a text indicating that my grandson, had, who was uh, very young, one year old or less than one year old, I believe, at the time, but uh, he had been admitted to the hospital with respiratory problems. And I was sitting in that surreal moment thinking, we got to do more. We can't just tell our children and grandchildren, oh, it's the inversion. We've been standing on that reasoning or excuse for 100 years, and it's time to get out from behind that inversion argument and say, okay, we're pretty smart. There's a lot of smart people here. There are tens of thousands of smart engineers. There's tens of thousands of smart students at these great universities. Let's figure out how to beat the inversion. Let's figure out how to make our... Uh, transportation planning uh, more sustainable and more carefully crafted to protect air quality. We can't just keep widening the interstate and expect something different to happen. Uh, 60% by some measurements of the air pollution comes from the tailpipe. Electric vehicles, alternative vehicle, alternative fuel vehicles, they're all in our future here. And mass transit and public transportation, these are all in our future. And we love our big SUVs and, and our uh, single driver vehicles. And that HOV lane is there for a reason. Uh, and it feels good to be in that uh, lane during rush hour uh, with someone beside you. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot we can do. If you go to uh, the Facebook page for UV Clean Air, which is our Utah Valley Clean Air Task Force page, you can see a pledge that you can t take there to do some very simple things in your own life to improve y your contribution to air quality. And ucare.org, ucair.org, has an, a similar pledge on their website. Uh, there's a lot we can do, but in fact, we've got to start with educating ourselves and educating our children and educating business owners that there's a better way. Well, thank you for that. So, John, we, we're wrapping up, and I, I like to ask our guests for some parting advice. And you've given some, but I want you to reach into your, your bag and bring out some more. So, for our listeners that want to advance sustainable business and, and produce a higher quality of life for themselves and their families. Some there may be standing back wondering, uh, will I make a mistake? Uh, what, what, you know, there's so many things I can do. What kind of encouragement or, or starter steps can you share with people? 
Well, I, I have a bias for action. I think most business owners have a bias for action. The successful ones, the sustainable ones, definitely have a bias for action. So my first uh, rule applies here in that it's much more important to do than to talk. And uh, at leadership summits, we should be making the environment and sustainability a focus, not just a casual mention. So uh, do as much doing as talking about it. Uh, the second thing I would suggest is they consider going to some of these sustainable events and getting educated. P3 has an event, UVU is uh, having a sustainability conference that I'm, I'm participating in, both those events, and I'm excited to see the people that will learn a little bit better how to do things there. P3UConog.org, UV Clean Air Facebook, UCAIR.org, the uh, DEQ, the Department of Environmental Quality, .utah.org, deq.utah.gov. These are all uh, great resources to think about what we can do. But I think that the word here, the key word I would leave with them is think about it. Think about where your waste goes when it, that garbage truck comes up or that recycling truck comes up to your house. Where does it go from there? We're still responsible. Where does my plastic go? Ten years ago or so, I saw a special in History Channel that said in every sample of ocean water that had been taken in a certain study, they found plastic in the ocean water. We're eating the fish that are eating that plastic. What's my next car purchase going to look like? Is it going to have a, a better MPG? I was excited to get up to 38 miles a gallon on the way up here today. What is, uh, what is my position regarding bl the blame game. Do I blame the inversion? Do I blame my neighbors? Do I blame the man? Do I blame the government governor? No, let's personalize this quest and let's do what we can individually and as companies and as government leaders and uh, we'll, we'll get there. We can do this. Okay, you've heard it from John Pilmer. Think about it. Do more. Take responsibility. Thank you so much, John, for spending time with us today on P3 People. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. P3 People, the podcast that brings you the experience and insights from the leaders of the purpose economy. The P3 People podcasts are produced at Audio In Recording in Salt Lake City, Utah. Audio In supports sustainable businesses as a pathway to a better world. Visit us online at audioinnrecording.com to hear our work and learn more about how we can turn your project into reality. Become a supporter of P3 Utah at p3utah.org. If you enjoyed listening to the P3 People podcast, then subscribe today at p3utah.org, iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Pass the word, be P3.